We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And a pleasant good afternoon to all there out in podcast land. I am Vince D'Addario. I am the football analyst here at irishbreakdown.com. And with me, as always, is the publisher of irishbreakdown.com. That's Brian Driscoll. And you are listening to the Irish Breakdown podcast. And we got a fun one for you today. Um, it, you know, we've talked in the past about uh, wanting to expand or expound on some of the articles that uh, Brian has put up on irishbreakdown.com and this is one of those podcasts um some of you may have read his article talking about uh brian kelly and 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 his offensive philosophy and all that and we're gonna dive right into that and i'm excited about it but you and i watched the national championship game uh brian and we've watched the last few i mean Mm -hmm. all well all of them really it's kind of what we do We're, we're football fans we're gonna watch them um and the prevailing theme for uh, college football's national champion is that they can score points mm-hmm. and that was absolutely on display monday night yeah the the notion of defense winning championships is long long gone i mean right. it's long gone right and, it's a great and, slogan yeah but, you know. i have a, i have a better one and i've said this before <laughs> i mean it, it, look defense is defense you have to be really good on defense in my opinion to get to the show right unless you just i mean you, you have you have to do that and I think to win a championship, you have to be really good on defense, right? That's why Oklahoma doesn't win because they could score 48 points against Georgia and lose, you know? Um, the reality is, is defense will get you to the show, but to win a championship, you've got to be explosive on offense. And and you just look at the last six years of the set. Well, now we've got seven years of college yeah. football playoff. And, and here's the final score of the championship game, 42 to 20. 45 to 40, 35, 31, 26, 23, a year where they had two, two SEC teams playing each other, mm-hmm. 44 to 16, 42 to 25 and 52 to 24. That 52 to 24 was obviously the score of last night of this past weekend's or Monday's game between Alabama and Ohio state. And the, the reality is, you, you have to be able to make stops, but you're yeah. not going to win 20 to 17 games. I mean, if you think about it, the last time Notre Dame won a national championship back in 1988, they scored, I believe, 34 points, right, uh, against West Virginia. That would not have been good enough to win in, you know, all but one of the college football playoff games, you know. And so mm-hmm. yep. the reality is you have to you have to be able to score points to win. 
And, and that's, what's going to get you to, to a championship. And, you know, I think Notre Dame has done a great job in recent years. Uh, 34, 21, excuse me, Vince. I got, I, I, I cheated West Virginia out of a point. Um, <laughs> How dare you, but you know, you have to, you have to be really good on defense to make enough stops to win. And, and to me, sure. that, <clears throat> that was the big difference in that game. Alabama's got a much better defense in Ohio state. Uh, Ohio state has a high octane offense. They can score. But the reality is, is that Alabama was able to make enough stops to allow their offense to take that game over. Well, and, and, and it wouldn't allow LSU to get into a shootout. And, and we talked I mean, about obviously, Ohio State. Yeah, we, we went into detail about what the Alabama defense is all about well, mm-hmm. prior to Notre Dame playing Alabama. And look, this is not the Alabama defenses of the 2011, right. 12, 13, like that's not the kind of defense we're even talking about. Right. I, I would, I would say that Notre Dame's defense is better than Alabama's defense. Uh, absolutely. And, I, don't, but, I don't know if they have as many like first round picks, but as far as how they play they're But as a defense, good. yeah, absolutely. as a defense, I would take Notre Dame's defense over really the other three defenses that were yeah. in the college football playoff. But the problem is, is on the other side of the ball, right? You have to be able to score points. Uh, and, and those right. other defenses were good enough to make a few stops to allow right. the offense then to do what they do. Right. And and that's partly why Nick Saban is a, a phenomenal coach. I mean, when you go back and look at his first championship team at Alabama, they scored 32.1 points per game. That's it. 32.1. They yeah. gave up 11.7. When they won the national title in 2011, they scored 34.8 points per game, uh, which, you know, again, was aided by they scored 41 on North Texas you know, a team that stinks. They scored 45 on Georgia Southern, right? Uh, they gave right. up 8.2, 8.2 points per game. The year that they beat Notre yeah. Dame, That's they scored amazing. 38.7 points per game, which was pretty good. But again, aided by 49 points over uh, over West, uh, excuse me, um, uh, Western Carolina. They scored it's gonna four, be directional. <laughs> they scored 40 points against Florida Atlantic, right? I mean, so again, that was a very good offense, but they gave up 10.9. Um, their next championship season was 2015. They only scored 35.1 points per game and 15.1 is what they gave up. Uh, and that 15.1 was, was bumped up by the fact Clemson scored 40 on them in the national championship game. You know, if you go back and look at the rest of the year, they gave up 43 points in a game in a loss to Ole Miss and they gave up 40 against Clemson. The rest of the year was 17, 10, 0, 10, 14, 23, 14, 16, 6, 6, 13, 15, 0. Mm-hmm. right so after yep. all that what does nick saban go out and do he goes out there and says we've got to score points to keep keep up when yeah. keep winning championships you know i think and it was an evolution over time i think it began when they lost to johnny manzel that's when he started looking for more mobile quarterbacks and we saw that with jalen hurts uh, but even with jalen hurts it wasn't as much of a high octane up tempo offense that didn't come until you know lane kiffin came and then more so steve sarkeesian really sure. uh, took it to that next level in 2017 when they won their title uh, they scored 37.1 points and then the in 2018 the year they lost uh, to clemson they scored 45.6 and what was the unit that let them down in the title game it was the offense right? Because the offense didn't score enough. They threw a pick six early and, you know, just couldn't do it. 2019, Bama's 47.2. This past year, Bama's 48.5. Yeah. And would have been higher if not for Notre Dame holding them to 31 points. I mean, think about this. Notre Dame is usually averaging low to mid thirties in points. Alabama scored in the thirties twice all year. The first game of the year against Missouri, where they benched their start, benched, they pulled their starters in the third quarter. Right. And then the Notre Dame game where Notre Dame's defense did some good things, but Alabama also took their foot off the gas. So, sure, you know, sure. I, again, they would have at least put one more touchdown on the board. I'm not saying they'd gone out and scored 50 on Notre Dame, but they would put at least one it, more touchdown on It the still board. would have been two possessions lower than what their season average is. Correct, correct. I mean, that's that's still saying something. Right. I mean, we, we, we said right. going into that game, if, if Notre Dame can hold them in the 30s, right. they got a shot. Right, And that, but that's the reality of today's game. You have yeah. to be able to score. And – and that is that is where Notre Dame is severely lagging. And look, what I what I said after the game is what I thought the title game showed us, Vince, is that 
I believe Notre Dame is where they need to be as, as a team that compete for championships. Now, are there position groups that continue to need to be upgraded? Yeah, we've talked about that. Secondary's sure. fallen off a little bit, although I think, you know, a couple of years ago, the secondary was every bit as good as they needed to be to compete for a championship. Um, you know, but the reality is, is they haven't been anywhere close to good enough on offense and yep. they're not trending in a good direction. I, if anything, they're trending in a bad direction when you look at what they did this year and, and there's all the excuses of, they don't have this, they don't have that. I, it's not what they don't have personnel wise. That's the problem. I mean, right. a third, third year starting quarterback that you adore uh, that, you know, 30 and five is a starting quarterback. Um, you had the best, you know, our, it, to me, you had the best offensive line in the country until Jarrett Patterson got hurt. And then when I he agree. got hurt, you were still top five. Yep. Right. I agree. Um, you know, you had uh, you, you had, I would say one of the best, tight end combinations in the country Absolutely. had a really good running back situation uh and, and you you know you talk about receivers well you you chose not to play certain guys you chose not right. to give xavier exactly. Watson opportunity and jordan watson opportunity and lawrence keys an opportunity along with playing the guys that did play sure um you know because they're good players there so everything is self-induced at notre dame you know brian kelly uh, has, has talked about, well, let's just kind of get into this, Vince, is the reality is, is Notre Dame is going to have to make a change. And I'm not advocating that Tommy Reese needs to be fired. And matter of fact, we're going to have a show coming up probably early next week if we don't do it at the end of this week where I'm going to talk about how Tommy Reese, I believe, can be the answer for Notre Dame, which is coming from someone who said he never should have been hired in the first place, right? So I'm going to be very fair and objective because I don't blame Tommy Reese for what happened this year. I put that on Brian Kelly. Number one, Brian Kelly's the one that hired Tommy. What's Tommy Reese supposed to say? No, coach. No, no, you can't hire me. No way. Of course he wants it. He's, in the, he's, a, he's a guy that he's a – I would have done the same thing when I was Absolutely. his age. I'm like, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah I can do this. Right. Um, you know, but but I think Tommy Reese's youth and, and inexperience as a coach can actually benefit the current what Notre Dame needs to do. And we'll get into that uh, in a future show. But the reality is, Vince, Notre Dame is in a situation where they need to change. And the common the constant pushback that I get when I bring this up and it's understandable, this perception, because Brian Kelly is stubborn, is yeah. Brian Kelly will never change. And my, my response to that is, yes, he will. And the fact that he has changed is why we're having the current conversation that he needs to change again. Right. And we're going we're we're gonna to dive that. into how he's changed in the past in just a second. But before we do, we need to hear from one of our, one of our friends of the show, uh, one of our sponsors. Hey, everyone. Before we get into today's pod, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone an opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. On top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. The best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate that any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup alone. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out that description box to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join. So you're right, Brian. Uh, if you look past, and, and a lot of people forget what Brian Kelly's resume is. They just remember him when he gets to Notre Dame, and, and that's about it. But his, his resume obviously goes back to Grand Valley State. I mean, they got an indoor practice facility named after him. Uh, mm -hmm. So As they should. Uh, as they should. No question about it. He donated a bunch of money, and he did some great things up at Grand Valley. There's no, yeah. no yeah. debate about that. So um, the funny thing is, or, or the interesting thing, it's not funny. The interesting thing is what his offensive resume was while he was at Grand Valley, while he was at Central Michigan, and while he was at Cincinnati, and what he was able to accomplish. And look. Bottom line, he got the job at Notre Dame because of what he was doing offensively right. at those schools. I mean, Correct. his offensive resume was by far the most important reason that he got the job at Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. And 
for whatever reason, and we can dive into this a little bit, he completely changed his offensive philosophy when he walked in the door at Notre Dame and has pretty much gone in the complete opposite direction since that day up until now. And it, it's disturbing. It's, it's, um, it, it's, it's hard to watch at times, but I, I want to, I want you to go through some of the numbers um, of what he was doing when he was at Grand Valley, when he was at Central Michigan, when he was at Cincinnati and why his resume was, was so sparkling uh, from an offensive standpoint. So, so for me, you know, there's a little, little background on this. Brian Kelly's first year where he took Grand Valley to that, he did, they just, they made some changes and they just became this explosive, explosive offense. It was my first year of coaching. It's 2001. And so I was coaching the division three level. He was at the division two level. Uh, two years later, I was coaching at the, the year he won his second national title at Grand Valley. I was coaching at an FCS school. And so I was an up and coming coach and I was all about offense. I mean, I was a quarterback coach. I was a pass game coordinator, you know, by quarterback. My, I mean, right. I mean, my third year as a coach, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm basically running the pass game. My fourth year as a coach, I'm the pass game coordinator. You know I mean? That was, that was my thing. I, I loved offense. I wanted to, I, I knew you had to score a lot of points. I mean, you could see that wave kind of coming even back then. And to me, there were several names at the lower level schools that were really innovative coaches. There was Chris Hatcher at Valdosta State. But the guy that I kind of gravitated towards was Brian Kelly at Grand Valley State. I was in Ohio at the time. Uh, I was at Wittenberg University, and he was at Grand Valley State. And, you know, you'd, 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 you'd hear we'd go to these conventions and you'd have these coaching talks and we have coaching clinics. And so you'd get to see some of the stuff that they were doing. And then, of course, they had the playoff games on TV. And I loved what they were doing because what I, what, what it was innovative. It was there. They were doing stuff that people weren't doing. I mean, they were, they were tempo, tempo, tempo. I mean, and, and they were just, they were doing things back at the grand, at grand Valley that just philosophically, not necessarily scheme wise, but philosophically that you're seeing, you know, now, and, and it really started in 2001 and, they had a quarterback named Kurt Ains who spent a little time in like, he got a cup of coffee in the NFL, but you know, he was a D two guy. And in 2001, they ended up losing the national championship game because Kurt Ains got hurt. in I think the quarterfinal game, I believe uh, prior to him getting hurt, it's, it's almost like, it just doesn't sound real. It's like, I had to crunch the numbers again. Like that can't be right. <laughs> they were averaging 56.9 points per game. This is two rounds deep into the playoffs, right? You're actually playing good teams. It's not, you're right. not beating up on. Right. And the GLIAC is yeah. a good conference. It is. I mean, it I is agree. a very good I've, conference. I've watched Saginaw was, some games. Yeah. yeah. Of, Saginaw of was conference. really good back then. Um, I think Matt LaFleur was the was quarterback for Saginaw. One of the years that Brian Kelly played them. I, I'd have to go back and look, but uh, they they averaged 591 yards per game and 7.7 yards per play. Now that yards per play is really good, but it's not astronomical relative to the yards and and the um, and the points. It's because they were running so many plays. But the thing about it too, Vince, is they were very balanced. They threw for 329.4 yards per game, but they rushed for 261.6 yards per game. Now part of that is there was a lot of blowouts that they were running the ball more in the second half, but still you don't go from, you're not rushing for 120 and then all of a sudden 260, right? You're, you're pretty right. balanced. Right. A year later, they won the national championship and that team averaged 46.7 points per game. And again, offensively, they were over 300 yards of passing and over 200 yards rushing, or they were nearly 300 yards passing uh, and over 200 yards rushing. And so when you look at that two year stretch, in which Grand Valley state went 27 and one, they scored an average of 51.2 points per game, 533.7 yards per game, 229.6 rushing yards per game, and 304 passing yards per game. In his final season at Cincinnati, Cincinnati ranked fourth in the country in scoring offense, I think 39.8 points per game. And that, if you remember, they did that with their starting quarterback out for three or four games. Remember, Tony Pike got hurt that year and had to bring right. Zach Kolaris off the bench, and they just kept rolling. So um, when he got to Notre Dame, there was, he didn't, he, they weren't doing the same things partly because, you know, I think you kind of buy into the personnel. They didn't have the right personnel maybe to do what he wanted to do. I would have loved to have seen what he would have done if Golden Tate and Jimmy Clausen would have come back in 2010. That would have been a lot of fun to watch. But the point is, is over time, Brian Kelly 
for whatever reason, <clears throat> did the exact opposite of what got him to Notre Dame. And what and and Vince, you you brought something up uh, before the show about yeah. the things he would say about. So the, the Notre Dame media, myself included, were always going to be critical of you know of things. And I think even back then, it was even more so of, well, this is how it's done. And there was this mantra of you have to win a certain way, which sure. I always thought was nonsense. I mean the tradition at Notre Dame is not running a certain offense. I mean, Frank Leahy changed what Newt Rockney did. I mean, he played for Newt Rockney, but he changed the offense, right? Lou Holtz brought in a different offense than what they had been running. It, it's about finding a way that to be successful doing what you do. Sure. No, what's held Greg yeah. Kelly back is Vince. He's gone away from who he is. And, and, and the things he said when he first hired is the attitude he should have now, but he's gone away from it. Yeah, I, I remember sitting in that press conference and uh, one of the local media specifically asked him about time of possession because Cincinnati was dead last in Division I football um, in, in time of possession. And, but they were an excellent football team, obviously. They, they were going to a BCS Bowl. Um, you know, they were undefeated at the time. And keep and in at, mind, I want to just add some kind at yeah. the time, Cincinnati was not in the American Athletic Conference where they were they're playing the Big Pulsa. East. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. They, they were in the Big East that year. They were they were playing teams that are considered power five opponents. I mean, that year in 2009, they played Rutgers, Oregon State, South Florida, Louisville, Syracuse, Connecticut, West Virginia, Illinois, and Pitt. At, at that time, Pitt and West Virginia were really good football teams. Right. So, I mean, right. that, was like a, that was like an ACC schedule, right. really. That was a power five schedule, right. you know, essentially. You know, yep. so I just wanted to add some. And oh, Rutgers absolutely. at the time, too, was really good, too. That year, they beat Rutgers 47, 47 to 15. Rutgers won nine games that year. Was that the Greg Schiano uh, the first time around? That was a Greg Schiano team. Yeah. 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 So, um, just just a little little bit of context that that, that was not a – it wasn't like it is now. Right. Where it was Houston, Tulsa, Memphis. It wasn't that it, it was a different schedule back then. But I, you know, I remember sitting in that press conference and somebody from the local media asked him about time of possession. And his response uh, was one that actually got me kind of excited. He, he said, he goes, look, time of possession is one of the most overrated stats in college football. Mm -hmm. And of course, he was defending the fact that they were last in time of possession, but he didn't have to defend it because they were scoring so much. Mm -hmm. And, and, and if that's the case, yeah, time of possession is overrated. So I, that got me excited because mm -hmm. that told me, wow, look, Notre Dame's going to put some points on the board and yeah. they're going to, they're going to run up and down the, the, the field. There's going to be no huddle. It's going to be tempo, tempo, tempo. Mm -hmm. And it just never really materialized at Notre Dame. I mean, it just, that offense they that tried I tried it a little Patties, bit early in 2010 and it just, it didn't happen. And, yeah. and look, when you first take over a program, I, I get that, you know, you might be trying to fit some uh, round pegs into square holes. I, I get it. But eventually you're recruiting your guys. I mean, he's been here for over a decade. He's had time mm -hmm. to get guys to fit his offensive philosophy. And frankly, the roster that he's got right now fits that offensive philosophy. Right. Um, but he, he just hasn't done it yet. And it's disturbing. Uh, but we've seen him change will he change again? I think that's really the big question. Yeah. I mean, cause <clears throat> I do believe Brian Kelly cares a lot about his legacy. I think that's important I, to him. I but, think it's almost too important to him. Yeah. And, honestly. And, and if it is, then he needs to think about, okay, what, what do I got to do to get to that point? You know, and, and then what got me here, sure. you know, and, and when you talk about that time of possession thing, it is really funny because um, he was so against that back in the day, but then yeah. around, you know, after 20, I think the Alabama game shook him. I do. I think I yeah. yeah, I do. I think that game shook him. And I also think what happened too is who was the other team that was kicking his butt back then? It was Stanford. Oh yeah. You know, right. and Stanford back then was a power football team. I Three mean, tight you know, ends. Yeah. yeah 2011 yeah. when Stanford smacked them, 2010 when Stanford smacked them, Stanford ranked first and fifth in time of possession those two years. Yeah. You yeah. know, and and the That's year that point. Alabama beat them, you know, Alabama was 11th. What did those teams do? Ball control, power offense, you know, ISOs, tight ends. Which is what um, Notre Dame's doing now. Which is what Notre Dame's doing now. And it's kind of like he's been chasing that ghost ever since. Well, the reality is, is, you know, you didn't have the personnel to win that game. And, and as we've now come to 2020, Brian Kelly still seems to be trying to be Alabama 2012, but Alabama right. is not Alabama 2012. They've evolved. 
Right. And, and my thing is, is, you know, it, it should have been, I, I think coaches always need to be able to adjust and adapt and say, Hey, can we recruit to the, what I did to get here? Sure. And the reality is, is yeah, you can. I mean, if the 2015 Notre Dame offense would have been an up-tempo RPO type of offense, uh, good Lord, what could they have done? You know, I mean, with Will Fuller and Chris Brown and, and Amir Carlisle and CJ Procise and Josh Adams and, and the best offensive line in the country that had three future first-round draft picks and a future second-round draft pick at, at the lineup. Oh, and a quarterback who went on to become a second-round NFL draft pick, right? <laughs> so, um, you know, it's just one of those things, Vince, where you look at it and you say, look, everyone's trying to do what you did when you were when you got here. You know, this is why Brian right. Kelly was my top candidate. It was innovative offense it's why i've pushed if kelly left why i've pushed for jeff brom innovative offense you know that's what notre dame needs and the reality is you know notre dame is to run the offense that notre dame is is trying to run you have to have elite players and absolutely you know the the mantra that well you know we don't have this this and this on receiver if that let's accept the premise for a second that you don't have elite skill players let's accept the premise just for argument's sake which i don't right but let's accept the premise if that premise is true that's even more reason for you to change your offense and go to more uh rpo based screens innovation movement moving guys around isos all the things that alabama's doing right and that's what makes alabama so great it's what made lsu so great here's the thing about lsu last year as well lsu had great skill not denying it you had justin jefferson look what he's doing in the nfl right him and chase claypool in my opinion are the two best rookie receivers in the nfl yeah right um he's killing it you had jamar chase who is even better you know as far as talent you had terrace marshall you had uh, uh thaddeus moss you had clyde edwards alaire coming out of the backfield uh who was i believe a first round pick i believe he was the last pick of the first round the chiefs took him correct in the first round this past year so yeah you had loads of talent but they still schemed. That's the thing. They didn't coach like they had better players than everybody else. They said, we're going to come up a ways to try to get our guys opportunities to go make plays. That's why Devontae Smith gets so dang open. Right. It's they scheme it into Absolutely. existence. And it just and then, so happens. He's really, really good. Right. So and then when you add, better. right. Yeah, and then right. when you add top talent, right. You get to that point. So like, am I saying Notre Dame's going to go out next year? And if they, if they go to an RPO based offense and they do all the things I think they should do getting the running backs involved, all these different things that all of a sudden they're going to average 49 points per game next year. No, they don't have to. Their defense is good enough exactly. that they can that's win the at 40 to 42 or 38 yeah. to 42. You know that's what I mean? The and that's the thing. And it's not even necessarily about points per game. It's about, can you score against the better teams on your schedule? Sure. And the reality is when you look at Alabama, they're going to score no matter who they play. They played a great Notre Dame defense yep. and they still scored 31 points, you know, um, and, and could have scored another touchdown. They played a really good Georgia defense and still scored 41 points. I mean, and Georgia held them down. Georgia had a lead at halftime, mm -hmm. you know, uh, but you can't keep that offense down for four, for four quarters. Your, your goal on defense needs to be, can you make enough stops to give your offense a chance to win? And, and that's that's what you have to do it, at that level. Now, during the regular season, you can shut teams out all you want. That's that's I mean, that's how you build to get to that point is dominating those inferior opponents. But when you play the best teams, you have to make enough. And, and there's no more better example than the Clemson game during the regular season. Your defense gave up 33 points. That's about as good as you could have asked your defense to play. You needed to score more points to win. And honestly, had Notre Dame not returned a fumble for a touchdown, they don't win that game. Right. You know, you have to score points no matter what your defense does. And so uh, you look at the 2018 Cotton Bowl, they gave up 30 points. That should have been good enough for you to at least be in the game in the fourth quarter. So um, the defense is there. The offense has got to get there, Vince. And, and to me, that's why I say it's about Brian Kelly going back to his roots. It's about Brian Kelly saying, you know what? I changed because of whatever pressure from the outside you know and that's fine i get that's it okay look notre right. dame is a different animal than the other schools that you right. were at i right. get it you can almost fly under the radar at some of the other places right. that you're at you're not flying under anything at notre dame so to a degree i get now should it have taken right. a decade plus no well the reason i think it took a decade plus is because he spent so much of that decade trying to change to get caught up to what the best teams were at the time so i mean right. I'm, I'm somewhat sympathetic to it i think there's a natural 
reaction when you go get your butt kicked to kind of look at say, well, what's that team doing that kicked our butt? Yeah, and, sure. You know what I, I would that. say about that Alabama team is that Alabama team didn't kick your butt necessarily because they had great scheme. Alabama kicked your butt that year because they had great players. And they, and they were, yeah, no, I agree. Right. I you had you had Eddie that, Lacy and TJ Yeldon right. at running back. You had Amari Cooper at wide receiver. I mean, you know what I mean? Like you look at that defense that year, it was just right. absurd. CJ Mosley, Nico Johnson, D. Milner, you know, haha Clinton Dix. I mean, that team was loaded. Uh, their offensive line, I think, had like three or four first round draft picks on, or yeah. sec- top two round draft picks on it. You know, so um, that was a great team. Sure, that's why they kicked your butt. If they were, if some other team with that kind of skill was trying to do that, then they wouldn't have beat you. And that year, Notre Dame beat Stanford. Why? Because Stanford didn't have the same players they had before. There was no more Drew Andrew Luck. Well, now all of a sudden, Stanford doesn't have Andrew Luck, and guess what? They're not good enough to beat Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so, I mean, those are the things is, is I felt like here's what it comes down to for me, Vince. I felt Brian Kelly, when he was at Grand Valley in central Michigan and, and, uh, in Cincinnati kind of had this, this thought of, of being innovative, being different, being, being, you know, you, we have to do something different to beat those teams that maybe have better players than we do. Or, sure. and then when he finally got better players, they were phenomenal. Right. 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 And so I, I think there was sort of that, that mantra of, you know, w- we got to be different. And then when you got to Notre Dame and the expectations is championships, I think it's, he, he kind of, this is just me kind of reading the tea leaves and, and seeing how it goes. And then knowing coaches, not necessarily speaking to Brian Kelly, cause I've never spoken to Brian Kelly outside of press conferences so I don't want this to come across as like, I know this is a fact, right? This is just, this is yeah, my opinion, right. okay? Right. I think what happened is, is because the standard at Notre Dame is championships, right? When he was at Cincinnati, there was no one saying you have to win a national championship. No. And, 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 and I don't even know if that, I don't know if that was the, I mean, when he hired at Grand Valley, was it like, hey, Brian, we expect you to go win back-to-back championships? I, I think it's, hey, win the GLIAC, right? That's the goal, right? Um, and so at Central Michigan, it was just don't suck, right? We're tired of sucking. Be good, you know, and, and he got him good. You know, he went from, you know, four and seven in year one to 10 wins in year three. But I think at Notre Dame, it was, well, you know, expectations, championships. And the expectations should be championships. I've, you know, we've written, our, we're not saying that's a bad thing, right? No, it's not. But I think he, his reaction to that expectation was, okay, well, then we got to do what the other top teams are doing. And since the two teams that kicked his butt the first few years were, um, you know, Stanford and, and Alabama. And I think there was this notion that like, okay, Stanford is this high academic school, right? With these high academic standards. And anyone that knows anything about recruiting will tell you Stanford's academic standards of getting kids into school are much harder than Notre Dame. They are absolutely much stricter correct. than Notre Dame. Yeah. They yeah. still don't allow early enrollees. So put that back. Right. It, it's hurt them now. Yeah. Right. Back then it wasn't as impactful because we weren't seeing the older early. I mean, there's teams now that like almost their entire class is enrolling early. It's getting up. So Notre Dame's going to have 13 early enrollees show up in February. But anyway. Um, and so I think he looked at that and said, okay, Alabama kicked our butts. Stanford kicked our butts. Stanford's a lot like us, you know, pro style. They can recruit tight ends really well. They can recruit O linemen really well. Maybe they don't always have the best offensive skill players. Although I don't know why Brian Kelly would have thought that when he had Michael Floyd and Tyler Eifert. Uh, but you know, Hey, look, let's, let's, let's shift to that. Cause that tends to work at, at a place like this. And I think he got sucked into that trap of, this works at Notre Dame as opposed to this works for Brian Kelly. And I, and I think that they're trying to run an offense that is not necessarily true to who he is. And I, I remember I coached two years in a, in an option offense, which was miserable on so those many your, different levels. Those are your favorite years of coaching. Oh, Stop it. It, they were two of my favorite years of coaching when it comes to the kids. Fair enough. Um, you know, and 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 the and I got it. That was the only two years of coaching that my wife got to experience. So that was a lot of fun. You know, every uh, I'm making not a lot of money at a D three school, and uh, you know I've got 15 kids over my house on Thursday night, and my wife's making these big spreads. You know, like all this food. The first night she makes all this food, and they were halfway through the line, and the, the food was gone. <laughs> so she's running out to the free. We had a uh, you know, freezer out in the garage. 
and she's grabbing all this extra food to heat up. You know, we had some pasta and those other stuff saved up, you know, and, and uh, that's what poor people do, right? Is you save food up and store it, you know, you Preach. make big, big batches and then you store. It. And so she never, she never ran out of food again. Uh, Cause she's thinking, oh, there's a bunch of receivers, you know, they're skinny kids. They're not going to eat a lot. <laughs> they can eat Lyman under the table anyway. Uh, but the, the point of the story is, it was an offense that I can learn what the coach wanted, but it wasn't an offense that I could have, t- I would have, or re- would have taken and said, hey, I'm going to go do this somewhere else. Cause that's not who I was. That's not what I believed in. That's not really what I'd cut my teeth on. That was just not what I felt was ultimately deep down the, the way to really be successful in offense. Sure. You have to be true to yourself. Yeah. And part of the issue I think Notre Dame has now, why they lack creativity, why they lack, really just that ability to be great on offense against any kind of good opponent is because I don't think deep down that's who Brian Kelly is. And I think that's why it's harder for him to really be good on the bigger stage because it's like, well, he's trying to, he's trying to beat you with something that's not deep down at at, at his core conviction. Sure. Yeah. Right. Right. And that's why I believe that's another reason why he needs to kind of just stop like, okay, I don't care what any past Notre Dame coaches think. I don't care what any past Notre Dame players think. I don't care what the local media thinks. I want to win a national championship in Notre Dame. I want my legacy to be such that I brought Notre Dame back. Yeah. Right. And to do that, he's got to go back to who he, who he is. He's got to go back to the guy that got him here. He always likes to talk about, you know, I've been a head coach for 30 years. Well, okay. Only a third of that was at Notre Dame. The other two thirds of that, was you doing something completely different than what you've done at Notre Dame. And at that other place, you won championships. You build a program that was a decent program. Grand Valley, if you go back and look, it was a good program when he took over. But they weren't an elite program like they became. Because what you got to remember is Brian Kelly won two championships. When he left, Chuck Martin won two more championships with the team that Brian Kelly built. Right. So, you know, his, his fingerprints were on four national champions. I mean, that, you have to give him credit for that. I mean, if, Notre Dame, if Brian Kelly retired today and, and some new coach came in and won a national championship in two years, you'd have to give Brian Kelly a lot of credit for putting that team together. You know, that coach got him over the hump, but Brian Kelly had a big role in putting that team together. And so to me, if Brian Kelly wants to get over the hump, he's going to have to go back to his roots because what he's done at Notre Dame, Vince, is he has taken Notre Dame from a, as much as Notre Dame fans hate to say this, they were an irrelevant program from a football standpoint. Notre Dame is always relevant from a prestige, uh, money-making, you know, fill up the stadium. Yeah, you're you talking know, about on the field. I'm product. talking about on the field. Notre Dame was an irrelevant program. Right. And and they had been for a while. You'd had a couple years here and there under Charlie and then like, you know, a, a third, two-thirds of a year under Ty that were decent, but – they weren't a relevant program really since 1993, 94, 95. I mean, that was really it. And, and, and so when you look at it and you look at now where Notre Dame is, you know, where I'm arguing about it's bull crap that they finished number five behind Texas A&M, you know, which it is, but that's another, it is, it is, probably. you know, they finished in the top five, two of the last three years, they've been in yeah. the college football playoff two last three years. And, and we're talking about how 10 and two is not good enough. Um, that's, that's a, a great job by Brian Kelly. But to me, he has reached his peak at Notre Dame doing it the way he's been doing it. And, and I think for him to get over that hump, he needs to go back to his roots and he needs to go back to sure being that innovative outside the box. I don't care what you run. I'm going to, you know, we're, we're going to have a philosophy of tempo and attacking. And it's not about going back and watching Grand Valley's plays and running the same plays. That's not what I'm talking about. It's it's a philosophical change. It's, it's just being it's being innovative and it's yes, being, yeah right yes and it's saying we're gonna ex, we're gonna attack we're gonna have defenses on their heels and then by putting defenses on your heels you then put pressure on the it, it, the opposition offense and I think the ex, perfect example is look at the Alabama Ohio State game Ohio State was keeping up with Alabama for a little bit you know and it helped by getting that forced fumble but it's twenty one seventeen at one point but. If you're Ohio State, you make one mistake. You miss one throw on third down. You you don't score on one possession. The next thing you know, a four-point game can turn into a 35-17 right. game like that. And and being yeah, an explosive offense puts a lot of pressure on the other team's offense. 
you saw it last year with Clemson and LSU. When LSU started getting some separation with Clemson, Clemson started rushing. They started forcing. They started making more mistakes because you're like, if we don't score here, this team, we have it's no over. chance. Yeah. Because that team's not going to stop scoring. And so he has to get back to being that guy that 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 he was. And, and and if he's not willing to make that change, then this is this is going to be Notre Dame's lot in life. And I actually think they're going to regress because they're going to regress because team more and more teams are going to start doing what what the you have to do, and, and that is score points. And it's not about chasing LSU or chasing Alabama or running the exact schemes that Alabama ran. It's find your sweet spot at Notre Dame. You know, uh, you're going to be a two tight end offense. That's fine. You can be. Look what Alabama did a lot early against Notre Dame. They were in two, a lot of two tight end sets. They were in two tight end sets a lot against Florida in the national championship game. It's not about 11 personnel and you have to be in three, four receivers all the time. It's not about you can't run the football. Yes, you can run the football. You need to run the football. Um, Ohio Naj- State. Najee right? Harris was fifth in the Heisman Trophy battle. Right, right. Yeah. And, and, and look at Ohio <laughs> State. I mean, Ohio State runs the ball a lot. You know, Oklahoma runs the ball a lot. Clemson, when, when Clemson was really good, when Clemson was like winning titles, those Clemson teams ran the football. And in 2018, the last time Clemson won a national championship, they averaged 248.2 rushing yards per game. Travis Etienne was the ACC player of the year, not Trevor Lawrence. In 2019, Travis Etienne was the was the ACC player of the year, not Trevor Lawrence. And so, yeah, running the ball is a part of it. it. It's it's not about that. It's not about you can keep the personnel you're recruiting and going now, but you have to develop an offense that is explosive, that is dynamic, that puts pressure on defenses, and it can't be an offense that is just you have to be in the right call at the right time all the time. Because in order to run that offense, you need Michael Floyd. You need Will yeah, Fuller. You sure. need uh, a, a, yeah. an elite quarterback. You you put much look. You put a lot more pressure on your quarterbacks to run that kind of offense. And and you you made a point, Vince, in the show we did before. That the great thing about RPOs is if you if you scheme it right. And that's the thing. RPOs takes intelligence by a coaching staff to know what the defense is doing, to know what kind of routes we're going to be implementing this week and those kind of things, what kind of leverages, and you have to instruct it and teach it. But it gives you much greater freedom because you don't have to have the right call all the time. And the way to overcome not having the right call in more of a slow, methodical, from the sideline kind of thing that Notre Dame does is you have to have elite players that can overcome that you're not in the right call. And it and a lot of times this year we saw Notre Dame do that. Javon McKinley was able to do that. You know, he just would would outplay people, Michael Mayer. But it's harder to do that when you're playing Bama and those kind of teams because their guys are really good too. And and so you have to you have to do this because RPOs are sort of a, a great they're a great equalizer. If you want to load the box and you want to bring your safeties down, that's fine. We're just going to throw it over your head. We're going to throw it behind you. We're going to throw it to the outside. You can't defend us in the box and on the perimeter. You, you just can't. And and as good as Notre Dame's defense was, they couldn't do that to Alabama. And it wasn't just Devontae Smith. John Mechie was making plays. You know, I mean, oh, yeah. the thing is um, – The tight Devontae, ends were making plays. Yeah, I mean, it just – that's that's the nature of the game, man, is, is you, your quarterback doesn't have to be right all the time. And your offensive coordinator doesn't have to be perfect all the time either. It really it, – it, it you know, if you read it right, you, you always make the defense wrong or you always make yourself right. And it just takes a lot of pressure. And – you say, can, can Drew Pine, for example, Vince, lead Notre Dame to a national championship running the offense they're running now? He's got the skill set because that's what they want, but I don't know. No, no. To, to run the, can he lead Notre Dame to a championship with them running the offense? Oh, no. Can Drew no, Pine he... be that kind of point guard that can go into a spread off, spread, not spread, an RPO, because it doesn't have to be a spread. Alabama's right. not a spread. Um, to go into a, an up tempo attacking, uh, RPO, you know, quick pass type of offense and, and, and lead Notre Dame to a championship caliber offense. Absolutely. I believe yeah. he can too. And I Absolutely. know Tyler Buckner can. Yeah. Um, so, so it, it, you know, and, and that's the thing is I, Notre Dame, I think I counted Notre Dame has recruited eight quarterbacks in Brian Kelly's tenure, eight, including, I think, including Tyler Buckner that were ranked higher as prospects than Joe Burrow and Mac Jones, eight. 
It's Ever- it's Everett Golson, Gunnar Keel, Malik Zaire, Deshaun Kaiser, Brandon Wimbush, uh, Avery Davis, Drew Pine, and now oh, and, and Phil Dracovic. So I didn't count. I didn't count Tyler Buckner. Tyler Buckner will be the ninth that was ranked higher than Joe Burrow and uh, Mac Jones, and I'm pretty sure was ranked higher than a long list of NFL quarterbacks like, you know, Pat Mahomes, who was a three-star recruit, you know, uh, Daniel Jones, three-star recruit. Um, so the, the list is quite long of guys who, who were not highly ranked five-star quarterbacks. It's about development and it's about putting them in a system that they can be successful. Again, Joe Burrow is a great example. Joe Burrow did not all of a sudden learn how to throw the football as a fifth-year senior. He always had the physical tools, but you had to put him in a system that played to his strengths. And that's why he went from 19 touchdown passes in 2018 to 60, sure. 60 in 2000 in 2019. I mean, put that into perspective, Vince, the dude threw 60 touchdowns, 60 touchdowns. I mean, it's just absurd. Mac Jones threw 41 this year in 13 games. He would. It, it, so that was two fewer games than what LSU played. In the two extra games, he would have had to throw 19 touchdowns to match what Joe Burrow <laughs> did last year. I'm being serious. Yeah, I know you I are. Mean, it's just absurd to think about that. And and then when you look at it and you say, you know, they averaged 48.4 points per game. That's exactly what Alabama was this year, you know. And, and they did it with a lot different schemes than Alabama ran. They did it with a, 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 just a lot of different looks, but there were certain numbers that were very similar. Mm-hmm. And 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 it was it was quick throws. I mean, I just remember the, a play they beat Alabama with. It's just a little thirteen yard corner out to the to the to the uh, to Clyde Edwards Hilaire. And I'm thinking, I'm watching it again last night because I'm studying some film. I'm writing an article at Irish Breakdown that's going to basically be like, here's some scheme changes that Notre Dame needs to make. So I'm breaking down Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, LSU, Oklahoma, all top teams. And just kind of saying, okay, can Notre Dame implement that their talent into these type of systems? Just to you know, again, be on, be fair and be objective again. And I'm thinking, Kyron Williams can hit that route, and and Drew Pine can make that throw. <laughs> he can, and it, it didn't require Joe Burrow, the number one overall draft pick, to make that play. It was great scheme. They used an outside receiver to run off the safety. They had another, I think it was a tight end or a slot receiver, kind of ran a quick slide route. And so, and then they delay kind of bring Clyde Edwards Alaire on a corner. So it was basically a delay smash that they use the outside receiver to run off the safety. Like you're telling me Kyron Williams can't do that. Of course he can do that, but you don't see that kind of innovation at Notre Dame. And it wasn't because they had a bunch of future first. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed on draft picks it was that was a great play call that went right at what Alabama was doing schematically and it got him wide open and you know it didn't require the number one overall draft pick to make that throw so that's where I'm at Vince is you know it's just it's it's football now and you know Brian and I and I don't want him to now start just chasing oh let's do what LSU did right you know let's let's go hire some like and that's what LSU's doing right like LSU struck lightning in a bottle so what do they do after this down year they went out and hired two guys that worked with Joe Brady yeah <laughs> in Carolina right. it's like that that ain't it buddy <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean what do you mean <laughs> so yeah the economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. 
We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. So I, to wrap this up, I want to ask, we know that Brian Kelly has changed in the past. We know that he should change now. Do you, in your opinion, think he will change moving forward? I think that's the biggest question because we know that he can, but will he? And, and again, this is reading the tea leaves. This is our opinion. This is not, you know, we didn't just get done with a conversation with Brian Kelly and he gave us all of his inside notes. I, I, I'm asking. <laughs> I think everybody listening to this podcast knows Brian Kelly's not telling me anything. <laughs> fair that's that that's, that's, if that's brian fair. kelly and i had a private conversation it would not be hey let's talk football yeah <laughs> <laughs> i can assure you i would love to do it but it's not happening it's oh not happening. stop it all right um so do you think that he's going to make the changes necessary moving forward uh starting with the 2021 season because i think the 2021 season is a absolutely perfect opportunity to make these changes just based on the turnover on Mm -hmm. offense and defense, Mm -hmm. the schedule that Notre Dame has in 2021 and the schedule that they're going to have in 2022. Yeah. That that's those, all those things put together to me makes this a perfect opportunity to make some, some philosophical changes uh, within your program on the offensive side. Agree. It's the perfect time. Will Brian Kelly do it? I don't know. I really don't. I'm hopeful. Yeah. I mean, I hope he does. Um, I, I think I think that if you'd asked me this a week ago, I'd have said no. It's not going to happen. The way that the Marcus Freeman thing went down gave me a little bit of optimism. Yeah. That Brian Kelly is 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 maybe realizing the opportunity in front of him. I, I think Brian like Kelly. Go ahead, Vince. I was just saying, I feel like we're in the Dumb and Dumber movie, so you're saying there's a chance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm hopeful. I mean, I'm yeah. trying to be optimistic. And I think, sure. the, again, the fact that he went back and, and was was proactive getting Marcus Freeman um, was was it's huge. It's huge. And, and, again, it wasn't getting Marcus Freeman alone. Landing Marcus Freeman was, was huge regardless. Like, let's no say LSU would have gone out and had a great year this year, and Bo Pelini's still there, and Notre Dame's the only pick for Marcus Freeman – it's a great hire. Absolutely. Right? Um, but what makes it even better is the manner in which they went about it. They outbid an SEC school that doesn't get outbid, you know, for coaches. Um, and, and so that was big. And so that makes me realize, you know, maybe Brian Kelly realizes he's got a window here. I mean, he, he's got a two to three year window of uh, where I think he's got a chance to compete for a title. Uh, once he gets closer to his next, his next contract running out, there's no one that's going to buy that he's going to be around for five more years. It's going to impact recruiting. I mean, this is the window starting now. I also, to your point, Vince, I Notre Dame's not going to be a national title contender in 2021. I agree. Barring unforeseen things. And that's okay. I mean, again, Notre Dame's not going to be a championship contender every year. It's, are you building towards that? And Absolutely to, to your correct. point, if you make those necessary changes schematically, uh, philosophically more so than schematically. It's more of a philosophical change for me than it is you have to overhaul your schemes. There's a lot of schemes Notre Dame runs that I would adopt into the new offense, a lot. It's just uh, emphasis on certain things becomes greater, putting RPOs as part of what you do more, all those kind of things. It's more of a philosophical change, tempo, those kind of things. Um, you build that, then I think that puts you in much better position going into 2022 to have an offense that's good enough to beat Ohio State and to beat Clemson. And to and because again, as I talked about, you beat Ohio State in the regular season, there's a chance you may have eliminated them to where you don't have to beat them again in the playoffs. Same thing with Clemson. I mean, you know, so so that's kind of one of those things that says, hey, those are big, those are big games. And so if Notre Dame can go one and one in those and be competitive, then there's a chance Notre Dame's in the playoff. If they go two and oh in those, then I'd be shocked. I mean, they're going to be in, even if somebody upsets them down the road, they're going to be in with those two wins. Sure. And so uh, when I, when I look at it, Vince, I say, you have to build to that. And you can't, what my fear is that Brian Kelly is, is always kind of in this, we're going to do what we can do to win the most games this year. 
I don't think that's going to be the right way to do it. I think, I think the schedule is soft enough and to where they could run the offense they've been running and still go 10 and two, maybe even 11 and one, if they can catch a break or two. The reason I say they're not a title team is I think Notre Dame could maybe make the playoff this year in the right circumstances, but they're not going to have a roster that to me, that can go beat some of these other teams that I view are going to be title contenders next year. Um, but if the offense takes, then, you know, then maybe maybe they could have that LSU lightning in a bottle type of scenario. I just don't see that happening with Jack Cohn, you know, the way it happened with Joe Burrow, right? I mean, yeah. there's a physical talent difference between the two. Um, so I, I think you build it this year to then in 2022, you've got – you're going to have four starters, four, four at least four starters coming back along your offensive line. At least three, I should say. Maybe four. Uh, and if you can convince Jarrett Patterson to come back for next year to get one more year of, you know, let's say they move him to left tackle, which is an article I wrote at, at our breakdown today, talking about how we're, I would, you know, I would look at Jarrett Patterson as being your left tackle next year. You're going to have a lot of skill talent coming back. You know, even if Kyron Williams goes pro, you're going to have Chris Tyree, Audrey Esteme, I think Logan Diggs, if he ends up signing, I mean, you're going to be fine at running back. You're going to be loaded at tight end. Michael Mayer can't go pro after next year. He's right. going to have to be on the team in 2022. <laughs> you know, you're going to have, you know, you're going to have a lot of, I mean, Jordan Johnson's going to be a junior. Uh, Xavier Watts is going to be a junior. So long as you don't, you know, as those guys are still around, you're going to have the freshman receiver class are going to be going into their sophomore year. Maybe you can convince Kevin Austin to come back. You know, if he's able to have finally have a healthy year, you know, there's all types of, you know, Braden Lindsay could have an extra. I mean, there's all types of weapons that they're going to be able to have that you go into 2022, you got a chance to do something. Sure. And, and so, yeah, I think that Notre Dame, making that change could put them on a trajectory to in the next two to three years compete for and win a title. I truly believe that. Cause I think they're defensively, they're going to be really good. Um, maybe not elite in 2021, but they're going to be pretty good in 2022. Marcus Freeman is going to be coaching to try to get a head coaching job. There's not yeah. going to be anybody that wants to have an elite defense more than Marcus Freeman's going to want to have an elite sure, defense yeah. that year. And so again, all the, all the stars are aligning in my opinion I agree. Um, I think Alabama's not going to be quite as good these next couple of years. I just don't. I think they're going to still be great, but they're just not going to be quite as dominant as they were this year. I think this was kind of their like last hurrah, and we can get into that in another show. Last hurrah of being this elite. They're still going to be a title contender. They're going to be more beatable, is my point. Sure. Um, so I just, Vince, I just look at it, man, and I say, this is their chance. If it doesn't happen now, if it doesn't happen this offseason, it won't, it won't happen for Brian Kelly. And yeah. so um, I'm hopeful that he does. And, you know, I think he's got the offensive coach to, to, to do it, uh, which we'll get into later, but it needs to be done. If he doesn't yeah. go back to his roots now, then he's not going to, he's not going to do at Notre Dame, what he did at Grand Valley. And that is won a championship. If he, if he goes back to the being the Brian Kelly that got him here and screw what anybody else says, don't, I don't care what I say. Don't care what, local media says don't care what the national media says don't care what former players say former coaches and none of that has to matter you got to go out being you and you know look and if he does that i think he'll have a chance to to finally take that next step because they're close vince and that's the thing is i don't think i don't think some fans appreciate how close they are i think because right. they've accepted this narrative well we can never compete on that stage or it's we can't true. recruit or we can't do this stop making excuses make the changes put every you know do as a coach what you're asking your players to do, sure. which is give leave it all out there, guys. Yep. No, leave it. Give me, give me everything you got. No, no, no holding back. No, no looking back with regrets. Just leave it all out there. I, I mean, agree. Do you? I mean, you. You tell me, Vince. Do you think Notre Dame is capable of of having a kind of offense where they can score 40, 40 to two, 40 to forty two points a game? I mean, you, you tell me. I mean, am I am I just kind of just being unnecessarily critical. I mean, you you tell me. Well, look when I when I see Notre Dame and I see what they have on their roster, um, they've got speed, they've got athleticism, they've got running backs who are effective in the pass game, effective in the run game. They're always going to have good linemen. They're always going to have good tight ends. You know, do they have a trigger man that can be a Mac Jones? They, I think they do, uh, honestly. So it's just a matter of, of, of scheme. It's a matter of philosophy. It's a matter of turning the page to that. And 
if they do, I think they can absolutely be competitive because I think they're also going to have a championship caliber defense uh, as long mm-hmm. as they keep doing the things they're doing defensively. And as long as Marcus Freeman is there, they're going to have a championship caliber defense. So mm-hmm. it's, it's up to the offense right now. It's up to the offense to make this change. And I think this is a perfect opportunity to do it. And uh, we've outlined that pretty well today. And um, I'm going to personally send this podcast to Brian Kelly. So you can, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure he's going to, I'm sure he's going to listen. You know, and he did, he has made changes on defense. Remember he was a three, four yeah. out here. And then they shifted to kind of Van Gorder scheme. Yes. And, and then, and I think the reason he's been more willing to change on defense is because he doesn't have his, he's not as involved in the defense. Just a fact. He kind of lets the defensive coordinator do what he's going to do um, to a degree. I think offensively, Brian Kelly's, still kind of he still has his dna all over oh absolutely and and that's okay because i think you know if brian kelly was was going again going back to his roots of uh, you know really being involved i think it would help tommy reese but sure he can't do what he's doing now which is i'm doing all these other head coachy things and then oh by the way i'm going to tell you what to do on offense right is brian kelly going to spend the next three months talking to other coaching staffs really diving into film and x's and o's and all that kind of stuff no so let the guys but Tommy Let Reese could. Tommy Reese do that. Let yeah. Lance Taylor do that. Let John McNulty do that. Because here's the thing. There's so much carryover now between the NFL and college schematically that John McNulty's got a lot of NFL contacts. There's and You could say, hey, go talk with this coach and that coach and kind of see what some of the things they're doing. And you don't just take play. You don't just say, okay, I got these five plays. We love these five plays. We're just going to run these five plays. No, you adopt, adopt it and adapt it into who you are. Sure. Hey, the Alabama runs this play this way. We can't run it that way because we don't have Devontae Smith. But I think if we get into some tight end personnel, we could actually use Michael Mayer in that matchup because right. of how teams defend us when we're in our two tight end personnel. You get what I'm saying? So, like, absolutely, it's not so much just you take this play that beat us. And teams that do that, to me, don't aren't successful. And I've been with coaches that do that. Oh, this team ran that play against so-and-so, and it really worked. That's great. And then I would have to spend the next 10 minutes explaining to him why that won't work for us because they don't defend us the way that they defended that game. Or we don't have that dude a receiver or, right. you know, whatever the case may be. Right, exactly. You have, to, you have to adopt it to who you are. That's why I say it's not so much about scheme, it's about philosophy. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, let your coach, let Lance Taylor go out and he's got NFL contacts. Let He's got contacts in the SEC. He played at Alabama. He could be... Nick and Nick Saban, the thing I'll give Nick Saban credit for from what I've heard, he's never been one of those. We're not going to talk to other coaches because we don't want people seeing our film. Notre Dame's kind of been that way. They, they, you know, they're really, which is kind of funny because it's like, dude, I don't think a lot of people are trying to steal your film on offense, but um, let them go out there and do that, you know, take advantage of that. And, right. and if you do that, you know, and, and hey, here's a thought. Sit down with Marcus Freeman. Hey, you guys come from a really high up t- high octane, high up tempo offense. What are some things that people did to you guys philosophically, tempo-wise, schematically that you guys are really worried about? I, I one of the one of the I coached in uh, 2002. I coached for a guy named Mike Donnelly, who um who passed away recently. One of the best coaches I've ever worked for. I learned so much about about football from him. And and he was a guy that was uh, a defensive coordinator in the Ivy League, really smart guy. He came up with our entire offensive playbook. He was a defensive – he was our head coach and defensive coordinator. He came up – he designed our our entire offense. And the offense was simply built around all the stuff over the years that he had trouble defending. Sure. That's what it was. Yeah. You know, and I'm not saying that's necessarily the way I would go. <laughs> but, like <laughs> – but that's – like, you can learn that. Like, honestly, um, you know, I've mentioned how – you know, I used to coach with Justin Lustig, who's now uh, – uh, he's now – he was at Syracuse, and I – believe it's out there now that he's actually going to be uh, working with Clark Lee at Vanderbilt. He's going to be the special teams coach at Vanderbilt. And Justin was a secondary coach at Christopher Newport when I was the receivers coach and pass game coordinator. And we would sit down. I spent more time with him talking football than I did the offensive coaches because I wanted to know what are things that we're doing that you guys are like, yeah, we'll eat that up. You, know, you do that. We eat that up. What are things we can do that are tells that when we do this, you know, like our head coach, like when they were going to run slants, he wanted to line up five yards wider. He said, well, when you guys move five yards wider, we know you're running you know, a slant. It's going to be a slant. Absolutely. So what I implemented was we're going to keep the same alignment, but we're going to now push him outside with our, you know, just different things like that. I got that from talking to a defensive backs coach. Sure. So I think there's all types of things they can do to get this going. And it's not just talking to Lincoln Riley or Steve Sarkeesian. It's also talking to some of the best defensive coordinators. What are you guys doing that is hurting these offenses? 
you're able to stop Central Florida. What did you do to do that? Well, we did this, this, and this. Okay, well, we need to make sure we have answers for that offensively. Sure. And so those are the things you do to go out there and make those changes, Vince. And if they do that, and and I'm not saying he's going to do it, I'm cautious of the miss. If they do that, I truly believe that Notre Dame can take that next step under Brian Kelly. I don't think you have to fire Brian Kelly to get to that point. I don't think you have to fire Tommy Reese. This is all I'm hearing on social media, fire Brian Kelly and fire Tommy Reese. Okay. That's fine. You know, are there other coaches out there that can win it? Yeah, but that's not happening. You're not firing Brian Kelly, right? It's not happening. Brian Kelly doesn't have to be fired for Notre Dame to win a championship. I believe Brian Kelly can be that guy. I thought he was the guy in 2009. A lot of things he's done have shown that he is that guy, which is why they are where they are. He's got to go back to being that guy that got him here, that that aggressive, innovative, explosive, we're going to outscore you. I don't care about time of possession. I don't care about this. And here's the thing. You want to get Chris Tyree and Kyron Williams on the field more, go up tempo. And now, you know, Kyron's going to need more breathers. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know exactly. I mean? And now you're, that's also how you keep guys happy. And so sure. uh, it's exciting to think about what could happen. And now we're going to have to spend the next three months finding out whether or not it will. And uh, that's kind of part of the fun of the off season. Absolutely. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Irish breakdown podcast. Make sure you stay locked into irishbreakdown.com because there's all kinds of good info on there. And if you read this, read the article about Brian Kelly going back to his roots. It's on there. Go check it out. Uh, but uh, make sure you stay locked in there. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast, wherever you get your podcast, because we're going to be bringing them to you and we're going to be bringing them to you hard every day. <laughs> so it's coming. It's coming. Anyway, uh, so I'm Vince D'Addario. That's Brian Driscoll. And uh, we'll talk to you next time on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. <laughs>class athlete or a podcaster like me we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance that's why i'm excited that unified healing is sponsoring this podcast unified healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by energy enhancement system or ee system if you haven't heard of the ee system you'll want to listen up this technology promotes wellness deep relaxation purification and rejuvenation at hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.